scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And I'm Mary Angela. Hey! And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show and And not yours. And if this is your first time listening to the show, stop. Go back. Listen from the beginning. Episode one, Grumblethorpe to my mouth a little bit. We'll wait. Welcome back. Thank you so much. (laughs) To you who just started all over again and to everyone who's just joining us again because they listen to the show regularly, you would know that that third voice is a guest. It's that- Mary Angela. Hey. Hooray. Back, back, back again. We have Mary Angela back on the podcast for episode 201. 201. Wow. We're past. We're past 200 now. It happened. It's done. We can't talk about it anymore. Oh, I was going to ask how the live show was. How did you? Did you have a good time? I oh, had a great time. It was a great time. <laughs> it was a super duper fun time. I'm so glad I was there to witness it. I'm very glad. Um, so coming up this week. I'm thinking about when this episode comes out. I have a show this Sunday at Frankie Bradley's. It's the Sondheim show. So it same is place. Same place that we had our live show. It's also where Snatcherella happens on Wednesdays. We love that place. Um, but I will be performing as Polly Wanda Cracker Ooh. as part of this Sondheim review with Eric Jaffe, Maria Topcat, Wet Betty, Rita Broria. Um, Chris McCollum, Ashanti Dahl, like a bunch of really, really fantastic theatrical drag and burlesque performers here in Philadelphia who are all doing tributes to Stephen Sondheim. I'll be performing as Polly Wondercracker. I think I said that, but I said it again. So I'll be in drag, but I'll be singing. You know, it's me in drag, me out of drag. I'm going to go up on stage and give you a good time. But that's at Frankie Bradley's this Sunday. You can get tickets online from Frankie Bradley's website. And the doors are at and the show is at nine that sounds right oh i thought it I could be seven. doors at seven doors at seven <laughs> show at eight please look at frankie the look when you yeah. buy the tickets okay look when you buy it'll the tickets. tell you it'll but it tell is you. this sunday so you should come check that out yay looking Mary forward Angel's to gonna it. be there i sure am i am looking forward <laughs> i hope to sarah it. will too but you don't have to commit right now thank you <laughs> wow she put me right on the spot on air jokes on her i edit this <laughs> see i put don't you on the side and then immediately it was like i mean you don't have to right now um but yeah that's that's something I have coming up this, Yay, this week. So if that. you're in Philly, you should come check that out. Definitely. I was going to say I got an email this week from a listener answering a question that we've asked, which is if you don't go back and start from the beginning, why? Oh, fun. I want to hear I feel this. like if you're going to answer, you're going to be salty. So here I am. I'm ready. What's her? What's this person's answer? No, it's actually very nice. It's not salty. And I was very nice back <laughs> did to you, them. You didn't get salty? I did not. Well, I did it first. And then I was like, JK, JK, I just commit for the bit. Like, I'm not really that mean in real life. But if you're listening, you better start back at the beginning. Uh, but no, they're. She is, though. She is that mean in real life. She's they, an asshole. If you don't. <laughs> She hit me. I did not. <laughs> I'm not touching you. So what was the answer? So, Don't think it was hanging. <laughs> so they reached out and they said their reasons for starting. They started at the most recent episode. Sure. And they go back when they have the time, but they have a huge fear of missing out. So they want to make sure that they stay up to Just date with what's going stuff. on sure. in the in the new stuff. And then... 
They also have a little bit of ADHD and listen to a lot of true crime paranormal podcasts. Mm. And so to hear the same things repeated over this three different podcasts can be a lot, which is fair. That's yeah, totally fair. So I reminded them to prioritize our podcast. <laughs> I because politely of we, but firmly I'm reminded, reminded them. them to please put us first. But no, uh, we got that response and I thought it was very nice. <laughs> so they start from the most recent ones and then go I mean, back. I told you I don't usually start a podcast from the beginning either. I usually find a podcast because I'm looking something up. Mm, yeah. And, and then I listen to that episode and then, and then I go back. Yeah. Okay. Right. I usually don't listen to their most recent. I always like to go back. Mm. All of them. I, a lot of times what will get me is a good guess. Mm. If there's a guest on an episode where I'm like, I haven't listened to this podcast before, but it looks like they have an episode. But oh my God, they have Adol like. Refai. Yes. Right. So I'm like, check out that Adol Refai episode. <laughs> And then go back to the beginning. And then go back to the beginning. But I know that that's happened with me with podcasts where I'm like, they had, oh, this person was on a podcast. I love that person. What a great episode of this podcast. I should listen to more of this podcast. Then do you go back and start at the beginning? I feel like I do. Okay. Yeah. See, that's acceptable. Because there's a podcast I was listening to recently. I fell off a little bit because I caught up to all of it. It was this, uh, it's a Spotify exclusive, I believe. It's called Your Magic with Michelle T. And she reads tarot cards and she also has people on where she reads their cards. And she also does like a live episodes on Zoom where she reads people's tarot cards like in the room. Like people will pop up and they'll be like, hi, my name is Tom. And she's like, all right, Tom. And she'll like read their cards. But I was like, I like this. Let me start from the beginning. And I started from the beginning and I caught up and I listened to all of it. And where I caught up to there, I was like, cool, I can't wait to listen to like the next episode when it comes out. And it was like, next of, best of. And it was a re-release of the first episode. And I was like, never mind. I, ju- I just yeah. listened to this from the beginning. So I guess I'll listen again when you finish doing all these best ofs because I've already listened to all of it. That's fair. So I like that. And that's why we're not doing best when, ofs. I was going to say. <laughs> Uh, that's why you're never gonna get take a first listen. First of all, your magic only had like 20 episodes. We have just passed 200. Yeah. First of all, and I had a second of all, but it's escaping me. It was very important. You interrupted me, but it's okay. <laughs> I forgive you, Mary Angela. What do you have coming up, Mary Angela? Welcome to the show. Sorry, hey. we're gonna talk to you. I promise. What do okay. you have coming up? Um. Coming up, well, I guess the most like current thing that you know is going to be in the spring is May fourteenth. I'm remounting a production of Beth. I uh, was in that. Uh, yes, and you're going to be in it again, I'll but be as in a it completely again. different character. Different character, but I was in that. You were. Um, in fact, the only people returning to the cast that were in the original production are you and Jared. Mm. Aww, yeah. Y'all might remember Jared, barely legal. Right. He is fully legal. He was 13 when he did the production the first time, and I'm having him reprise the same role he did before because I feel like he's had a lot of life experience on How stage since then. How old is Jared then. now? He'll be 21 in June. I was going to say, he's over 20. Yeah. I know that he's over 20 years he old. He is legal, legal. He's yeah. about to be legal drinking age. Yep. Yeah. He'll be 21 in June. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't like I'm, this. I'm very excited. It's at West Laurel Hill Cemetery. They haven't built it yet, so I can't give you any information about where to find it online. But, you know, I'll have you all plug that at some point. Uh, it's going to be a really good time outside, BYO, whatever you want. It's about a 45-minute one act, so a little longer than the one we did last year. Uh, and we'll chop that down. It's full, it's full of a whole <laughs> lot of, of We'll forget enough lines. <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, <laughs> Angela, that, that was a very telling breath. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> She's like, why did I cast both of them again? 
Why do I keep doing this to myself? <laughs> well, you know, I know that tomorrow's opening night is going to be great because this final dress, I have a <laughs> lot of notes. So let's sit down and I'm going to give you those notes right now and we're going to have a great opening night tomorrow. Works every time. You know what they say. every time. If you didn't know, that's a classic Mary Angelaism. <laughs> it's also just a theater thing. Yeah, if your preview goes horribly, that means opening night's going to be flawless. It's going to be amazing. Yes, it'll be fine. Well, I'm very excited to do Beth with you again and to have Sarah this time. Yeah, it'll be fun. And and T-Nut. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. There's going to be a lot of great people. It's reprising all of the no Kate. No Kate. Kate's pregnant. I was like, it's almost reprising (laughs) all of... Yeah. All of the Shakespeare's Kate. ladies into a Shakespeare. Almost, yes. Yeah. Almost. Almost all the Shakespeare's ladies spoof actresses into another Shakespeare's ladies. Yeah, pretty much. No angel, no it. Kate. Except That's we're right. letting some boys come. Right, because, I mean, you have to tell But there's story. some great boys, like yeah. Josh yeah. Hawkins. Yes, and Billy Our and very Sean. own Josh Hawkins. Josh Hawkins. Hey, Josh. Hey. <laughs> hey, shout out to Josh. He listens to our podcast. He does. Hi, Josh. We're looking forward to working with you this spring. We are. It'll be fun. As am I. All it's right. going to be great. I'm, I'm ready. Are y'all ready? I'm so Let's ready because Mary Angela's got a few things for us this week, I right? I do. Hey, Ooh. well, then let's do the thing. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Mary, Mary Angela. Angela. Hey, Leslie. Y'all, y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Mary Angela, what are you talking about this week? Where do you want to start? True crime. Okay. (laughs) I'm not not talking about ghosts. Hashtag true crime. (laughs) Sorry. Well, I wanted to do a quick PS on your two most recent episodes because I I have to say that like um, both of them, I found myself listening to them being like, you know, oh my gosh, like, oh my gosh, not that I got to know more, but like I can identify with these situations. Um, And one, I was, I'm glad that you put the trigger warning. I didn't, after reading the trigger warning, didn't expect to be triggered and then ended up being triggered. And I was like, oh, and it just like dumped all these like emotions that I had and was like, okay. So um, that would be episode 198 where you were talking about the, uh, what is it called? Is that the troubled teen industry? Yes, the troubled teen industry. And I'd never really thought about it that way and I never really sort of heard it called that and then the more you started talking about it the more I was like oh yeah like on the periphery I've heard of this and then I started thinking about no but actually you know you said like it was popular in the early 2000s and I'm like but the Catholic church kind of cornered that that business way before and so they've perfected it pretty much and you know and I won't go into this very long because I think both of you know this story but when I was 16 I was sent to a place called Seton House by my mother who took me there in the middle of the night Um, they didn't come and kidnap me like that wasn't happening it was like I'm taking you here but it was a it was a Catholic run home for troubled girls most of the girls there had been were runaways had been abused Um, some of them had been you know basically prostituting themselves to like survive like it was pretty messed up what did I do that got me sent to Seton House? I took my mom's car on a joyride without a driver's license. Wow, Mary Angela. I'm surprised she didn't take you sooner. Right? You're such <laughs> yeah, a, so, a, what a troubled teen. Well, and remember, that was one of the things that shook me towards the end was I was listing off like the reasons kids get taken oh, there. Yeah. And it's not always as serious as like, my kid was selling drugs. Sometimes right. it was like, my kid like doesn't Disobeyed. Up. Like my kid doesn't t- has like has low self esteem and needs to learn how to. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like no. it was all shit. Where it was like, this is so wild to how people put their kids through this for for 
infractions on right. such a varied list. Because they don't know how to parent. Yes. When ultimately that is the reason a kid goes to a house like that is the parent is just like, I don't know how to parent you right right now. And that is definitely what happened to my mom. My mom was like, I don't know what else to do. Like, you know, you're clearly very headstrong and maybe this will basically scare you straight, which is Uh. exactly what she was trying to do. And when I got there, I was the oldest girl there. I was 16 years old. So I was the the oldest. oldest at 16. Correct. Most of the girls there were 13 and 14 year olds. Mm -hmm. So I had age, height, build on all of these girls. And I'm going to tell you you this. You ran that place. Uh, No, no. I was going to say, she's going to say, and I was still fucking terrified of it terrified in my life yeah on my first night there they decided i was too clean so they all got like dirt i guess from the backyard or the front yard or something i'm not really sure but they threw it in the bed with me like basically hurling clumps of dirt at me and then came at me with comet cleanser and sprinkled (gasps) that shit all over me and they were like you know and i'm trying to like get up and get out of the bed but i've got 13-year-old girls holding me down down. while they're doing this. And so I'm just holding my breath and hoping that I don't freaking inhale inhale Comet and dirt and shit. And so, you know, but the next day, right, it was like that was their sort of hazing. And so Mm -hmm. then suddenly I was like, I mean, not really one of them. Like they weren't nice to me after that, but they were nicer to me after that. And then after I was there three days, another 16-year-old girl came And she was pretty sweet. She was actually really nice. And we became really good friends. And with the two of us, it was a little more daunting for them to, like, try and come for us. Because they were like, okay, like, now there's two of them. Because, and they would harass us when they thought we were, like, following the rules or being, like, too goody-goody, as they would call it, you know. And then there was one night when they were planning to get um, some drugs in. And when the drugs were coming in, one of the girls was going to basically run away. So there was nothing, it wasn't like a like a prison or anything there wasn't like ways like you could leave at any time but then you end up back on the street right like Mm -hmm. so here you're getting fed and here you've got a bed and a shower and whatever and so the idea was this girl they they wanted drugs and so they were going to get some weed brought in and that same guy that was going to bring the weed and was going to pick up this 13 year old and take her where she wanted to go and that was the plan and when they started talking about it, I left the room because I didn't want to be a part of right. whatever that was. Yeah. I didn't want to be a lookout. I didn't want to be anything. I didn't no. want to. I wanted to have plausible deniability of being like, I don't know what no the hell idea was what the plan. Planning, what I didn't right. hear it. I, I no wasn't part there. Of that. I went downstairs. I wasn't in that. Right. I went downstairs <laughs> to write in my diary. And one of the counselors went upstairs and stood outside the door and heard the plan to which she immediately put that shit on lockdown. And of course, it didn't but happen. I also knew that you weren't in there. Well, I don't or know that I don't like, I don't know that she knew that I wasn't in there, but the girls definitely knew that I wasn't in there. Yeah. And so I was number one narc subject yeah. at that point. And I it was a lot of threats. And I was like, I have to get out of here. I was like, because I am going to get hurt. Like I am going to be fit. Like I didn't sleep for like two nights. And I had a like a session with my mom earlier in the week and had asked like when we come home. And my mom made it very clear that I was to stay the full two weeks, which was going to be like two weeks. And this place. how long in were you at this point? Like, Day five. I was going to say like oh four or five God. days. Just, just short of a week. Yeah. Like I was coming up my week. So on the seventh <sighs> day, she's supposed to come in for another group like counseling session. And I'm like, I have to do something by this day that will get her to take, take me home away. that night. Right. Because I'm just like, I, it, th- this is bad. Like this is definitely oh bad. And so there was this girl who was 13 and she was piercing her ears, doing her own like double pierce of her ears. And I was like, hey, 
can you do that for my ears? I was like, I can just take the earrings that are in my lower hole and you can use them to just pierce. She was basically doing it with a clothespin, like pinch with the clothespin yep. and the pinch. And I was like, can you do that? And she was like, yeah. I knew if my mom showed up to this meeting and saw that I had basically physically hurt myself in an unclean, because, you know, back then you go to like a Claire's or whatever, like to use the gun and like there's this whole thing. And my mom is a germaphobe. That was when we thought that was the right, way to right, right. Sure, sure. <laughs> That's how. Um, both of my piercings on my ears, minus the one you bought me for my 25th birthday, were done at Claire's. Yeah. I mean, that's where my originals were as well. But so, yeah. It's a rite of passage. Yeah. She showed up and basically was like, what's going on with your ears? And I was like, you oh. You mutilated yourself. Yeah. I was like, I got a I double pierced. I made a pierce. friend in here yeah. and, and I got a like, pierced here in this school. Yeah, and she was like, where, what? And I was like, yeah, she put a clothespin on my ear until it was numb and I didn't feel anything and then she just squeezed the earring right through my ear and I could see the horror in my mom's face. My mom looked at me and said, go upstairs and pack your things. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I left and went and packed my things and she freaked out on the director because the director had no idea that any of that was going on. And yeah, I, my mom packed me up and took me home. Oh but that's gosh. my story of Seton House. Uh, what I'm was... learning from hearing this too is that the trick is not to be like, mom, it's horrible here. Please take me away. The trick is like, yeah, I'm learning how to be a worse kid in here. Yep. <laughs> like, like, oh, 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 no, Get you out of here. Yep. That's I'm exactly learning how it. to be more rebellious, actually. Because my mom didn't believe what I was saying. Like when I tried to say what was happening and yeah, why I was yeah. scared, no. like all of that was made up. And to of some course. of that, it was definitely my fault. I had lied enough to my mother. And that's what they tell that, the parents, too, is like your right. kids are going to try and manipulate you and they're going to try and say whatever they can to get you to take them away. Right. So they also plant like, that seed oof. that you are not to be believed. Yeah. So, yep. so that's my PS on that episode. And then. I'm very glad you got out of there. And <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. That that extend further. Yeah, for sure. But I do appreciate the trigger warning that you put on that episode. (laughs) Had to. So then episode 199, you guys talked about um, serial squatters. You talked about the serial squatting situation. Sure did. And listening to that, you know, something that you said, Stephanie, a couple of times was about, you know, that most or one of you did anyway, talked about how it's usually dudes that are doing this serial squatting. Right. Yes. And I have a story about a chick serial squad. I actually know a bit of this story. I, I know a tiny, tiny bit, but yeah. I'm ready to hear more. more. Okay, so my friend Kevin, who lives in Northern Virginia, you've heard me talk about Kevin before. We've been friends since we were 10. Kevin li- was having some trouble with his house. His girlfriend dumped him, and he had owned this house, and he had lost his job. And so he needed help. He needed a roommate. And so he'd been actively looking for someone to, to live in his house. And one day, he's sitting out front on his porch smoking, and he sees this girl across the street and she is crying. She is hysterical crying. And so he goes over and strikes up a conversation is like, are you okay? Do you need help? Like I just live across the street. Like what's going on? And she's like, I have a son who's autistic. He's like six years old and he's got autism and I can't live in this house anymore. I was renting a room here and they're making me leave and it's awful and I have nowhere to go. And he's like, well, he's like, I really, you know, I need a roommate. And he was just like, if you, you know, how how much can you afford? And, you know, she told him how much she was paying there. And he and that was more than what he was going to ask. So he was like, oh, yeah, that's great. If you can pay this much, this is how much I need. Like, you can move in whenever you're ready. And she was like, I can move in this weekend. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay. Can move in today. Right. So she Ooh. she's like, I have my son who's eight and I have a dog. 
And he's like, oh, I have two cats. Like, I don't think a dog's going to work. She's like, the dog can stay outside. I will never let the dog in your house. Like, we'll just keep the dog. Dog loves being outside, you know. And he's like, oh, yeah, I could build, like, a dog house for it. Or I could get one. You know, we could do whatever. And she's like, yeah, no problem. I promise. Dog outside won't be a thing. Uh Uh-oh. Yep. So he's like, great. So she plans to move in that Sunday. He goes over. He helps her. He moves over, like, all this stuff. About halfway through the day, her boyfriend shows up and starts helping move in. And he's like, oh, that's really nice. Your boyfriend came over to help you move into your new place and check him out. And, you know, and, and a little disappointing for Kevin because one, like, half of the reason why he said okay was because he was he super to hoping to, to hook up with that. Yeah. Um, and then the dude was like, oh, hey, has she paid you the rent yet? And he was like, no, no. Like, you know, I was going to get her moved in. And then, you know, like, she could pay me next week or whatever. And he's like, oh, no, no. I got it. I got it. Like, I'll go ahead and take care of it. He's like, do you mind cash? And Kevin was like, no, that's fine. You want to give me like 400 bucks in cash? I'll take it. And so he paid Kevin the $400. Oh, no. In cash. In cash. And he then, lives there now, too. Yep. And then that night, like, you know, Kevin's like, so is your boyfriend staying the night or whatever? And she's like, well, no, he lives with me. And He's Kevin's like, no, like, you said you wait, had a son and a dog. You had a dog. Is he the dog? No, the dog's outside. <laughs> no, the dog is inside with the two other dogs she has. No. Three dogs. Kicker. Three dogs. No. He, the boyfriend brought over two more dogs. So now there's three dogs, two cats, not being outside, dogs inside, already messing up the house, even though Kevin's like, uh, what is happening right now? And so then he's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. You can have your $400 back. Get the F out of my house. And she's like, no, you took our money. We're not taking our money back. We, we live here we now. Rent. We, live here. <laughs> we live here now. And he's like, what? And like, he's like livid. Like, and you know, and, and then the dude, of course, gets up in his face and it's just like, you're going to start something, little man. You're going to start something like what are you, you going to do about it? You know, and I'm like, and so Kevin calls me like it must have been going on for about a month when he called me to tell me what was happening. And I was like go to court like go, get yeah. you know and he's like yeah he said i called the police and they said i have to basically take i have to sue them i have to spend money that i don't have yeah. to go to court so he did he filed the papers and it, it's a long process it took him like a long time to even get a court date and mind you they're all still living in the house all still living all in the still house there they won't leave so the judge basically she gets up there and she cries and says everything and like you know is like yeah I don't have anywhere to go I have this autistic son and like we're good roommate we pay blah 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 and Kevin's like yeah they only paid me that one four hundred dollars and they've been there over two months now and I've only that's all I've ever seen and the judge is like well like she's got 30 days to like pay for this or find another place to live like and then and then you'll come back to court and I'll pass judgment at that time you know but because so it's still no eviction notice now another month goes on now she knows she's going to get thrown out in this next 30 days so she starts actively instigating fights with him to make kevin more aggressive and kevin likes to drink so kevin's kind of an angry drunk which is only making the situation worse right so one day he's like i gotta get the f out of here and he takes his bike because he doesn't drive um he takes his bike down the stairs and he's going down the front stairs of his house, like outside, and she's sitting on this bench that's in his front yard, and she jumps up and jumps in front of him as he's momentum coming down the stairs with his bike. So he runs into her, and she starts screaming, oh my God, you hit me, you hit me on person, on purpose, oh my God, oh my God, I'm calling the police, I'm calling the police. And he's like, you are crazy, I didn't do anything. The police come, and yeah, she's called the police, and the cops are like, you should get a restraining order against him. A restraining order against him in his, his own, own house. house, right? 
And so he flips out on her, of course, and she starts attacking him, like hitting him and attacking him. So then he calls the police and is like, she attacked me. All I was doing was yelling and she flipped out and threw things at me and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, get a restraining order against her in his house. So without taking this story much further, it goes on pretty deep. It took probably a year and a half before he was able to get them out of his house. By the time they were out, the house was destroyed by the dogs. All the carpet, he had to have all the carpet replaced. He had to repaint everything because the dogs like scratched up all the stuff on the walls and everything. And they only ever paid him $400 to <gasps> live for a year and a half. And, oh, and he has an assault charge. He was convicted with assault because she. Hitting her with the bike? Yeah, for the bike situation. Oh my gosh. So. What the fuck? Serial stalkers exist, y'all. Don't ring your house to strangers. <laughs> Yeah, don't live with anyone is what I'm learning. Right, right, Don't let anyone in your house ever. Stay out of my house. Hey, everyone. Sarah here, popping in to tell you all about this podcast I just found. It's not new. It's been around for a while, but it's new to me, and hopefully it'll be new to you. It's called Foul Play. No, not like the bird, but like true crime, because that's what they cover. Foul Play presents their own investigation of an unsolved case through a scripted narration series. Facts and evidence are presented along with real interviews recorded during the investigation. At the completion of the series, all findings are provided to the relevant detective agency responsible for the case, which I think is pretty cool. It's hosted by investigative crime journalist Shane Waters, crime writer Wendy C., and Gemma Hoskins from Netflix's The Keepers. Yes, that series. I don't know if you watched it, but that, ooh, The Keepers messed me up. And guess what? Foul Play does an amazing multi-episode spanning over time, in-depth research presentation of the story behind Netflix's The Keepers. I'll leave it at that because you should go and check out Foul Play. You can find them anywhere that you stream your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Does that still exist? Mm, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere. And you can check them out online at itsfoulplay.com. That's itsfoulplay.com. Check them out and give them a listen. And now I'm going to give it right back to Mary Angela. Oh, that's scary, girl. Okay, so. Wow. Those okay, are my PSs. So here's two warm ups. <laughs> right, sorry. So then, Ooh. for my big story, I want to talk about the murder of Kim Wall. Do you know who Kim Wall is? No, I don't Great. think so. Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like it rings a bell, but it's not coming to me. Okay. So, Kim Wall was a photojournalist who died in 2017. And what's kind of extraordinary about her is um, she was from Sweden and she lived a good chunk of her life in Denmark because Denmark and Sweden are pretty close together. But mostly she, you know, would kind of relocate city to city most of most of her adult life after graduating from um, journalism school because she was a freelance journal photojournalist and she was, you know, also not just photography, but also, you know, was a writer um, for like Wired magazine Mm -hmm. and, you know freelance she had been to some really dangerous places in the world she had lived 
amongst the people I can't I'm sorry I can't remember the country but there was an African country where a bunch of genocide like a lot of genocide was happening in the early like 2010 11 12 Ooh. time period and she went and met with the, the people of the country that were kind of you know feared for their lives and and you know did a whole expose on that and you know people would consider that really dangerous yeah. like you know you're taking your life in your own hands kind of thing she had a boyfriend and she really wanted to kind of settle down and start a family. So her next plan uh, in between jobs was to live in Denmark for a little bit, save some money, and then move to Barcelona. So she was getting ready to move to Barcelona when Wired contacted her and said, hey, you're in this city in Denmark. You should interview this crazy entrepreneur inventor guy that's there before you move to Barcelona. Like the last thing you should do before you leave. It would be great. It's this much money. Here's, you know, what's going on. Okay, cool. What's his deal? Well, he built some homemade rockets. Um, you can like look them up online. He built some homemade rockets. And he has um, one of the only privately built submarines that, you know, yes. it, that exist, right? Because, you know, militaries and countries don't want you to build your own submarine. Yeah. It's not a thing. Okay. Um, but he was allowed to and he had built it he had built it all himself. So this was the second one he had built. He had built another small one um and oops sorry and that one had gotten like retired and this was his his pride and joy. And everybody in the town, if I can even pronounce the town right, it's it's like outside of Copenhagen. So yeah, it it's he lives just outside of Copenhagen. So this all takes place kind of around Copenhagen. And the kind of submarine, um, it's called a midget submarine. And the name of it was the UC3 Nautilus. And his name was Peter Madsten. That was the name of this this kind of... Smart submarine guy. Guy, right. So she started, of course, by doing her research on the guy. Asking people in the community, who is he, what is he? And they're all like, oh my gosh, he's a trip. He's a hoot. He's like, he builds rockets and you can like go over and he'll like test one and like, you know, you'll get to see it go off. Also, did you know he's got a submarine and like it's Made a whole it thing? Himself. Right. And you can take a tour of the submarine and he'll take you out on the submarine. And like, it's, it's super great. He's, he's a real character. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a trip. He's a little bit like weird, but like in a good but way. We love him. Sure. Right. So she was like, cool, this seems like a dude that I would love to be my last story before I move to Barcelona. So he contacts her on, uh, it's like middle of August, like around August 10th, 2017. And he's like, hey, Wired contacted me and said they want to do this interview and, and have the story. And I understand you're the one who's going to do it. So, you know, would you like to take a ride on the submarine and we can do the in interview oh, no. on the submarine? And she's like, yeah, that sounds like something I want to do. So she asks her boyfriend, she's like, do you want to check out a submarine? Like, it'll be really great. Um, and he's like, you know, we're supposed to have our party, our going away party that night. So how about we start the party? You go do your interview. I'll stay at the party and then you come back. And oh, yeah, no. like after and we'll and she finish She never it. came back. She sure didn't. Oh. So it goes like this. She gets on board. Her friends that were all at this dinner party with her come to see her off because it's pretty exciting. Let's see the submarine. She gets on it. They take videos and pictures of her waving to them as they ride off through the Copenhagen Harbor. It's him. It's the guy and her. And they're like waving and it's fine. And then right as they get to the edge of the harbor, they go down and the latch closes. And that was the last time she was ever seen. <gasps> so there is a documentary on HBO uh, Max about this. And 
I highly recommend checking it out because I'm not going to give you even a fraction of the details. I'll give you all the good ones. But like there's a lot. It is a rabbit hole of a situation. But around 10 p.m., she's supposed to come back, right? It's only supposed to be like two hours. She doesn't return. Her boyfriend can't reach her. There's no call on the cell. Like it's like, what's going on? They haven't seen the submarine return because he calls the harbor master and he's like, hey, is old boy in a submarine come back? Yeah, what's going on? They're like, no, he hasn't. The next day comes. Okay, they're missing. They're not here. This is not okay. What is going on? Yeah. Right. Now the... um, I don't know what they're called, but it's like the basically the the Navy of Denmark because they don't have a Coast Guard. Mm-hmm. They're now all looking for him. So let's see. If I'm remembering correctly, three days pass and they still haven't like heard from them or anything. And now people are like actively like trying to triangulate where was the last place somebody saw them and somebody be like, oh, well, I saw them like leave the harbor and they didn't actually submerge until they were like over there and like what's going on. And they have divers in the water yeah. like they're trying to find them. And then he does turn up. Um, so they see it. They see his submarine submerged and it's off in the distance. It's not quite in the harbor. And the Navy's like, oh, my gosh, like there it is. Holy cow. That's crazy. And so they, of course, deploy some boats because they're like, we got to go pick this guy up. Like, what's happening? We got to go save him. And as they're going out there, they see the submarine descend. And but they see him on the surface. And now he's swimming and he's just out in open water and he's swimming. And the submarine is like sinking, basically sinking. And so they pull him onto the ship and they're like, what in the world happened? And he's like, oh, it was terrible. There was an accident. And, you know, the sub is compromised and it's it's sinking. It's down at the bottom of the, you know, like it's down there, like whatever. And they're like, oh, well, where's the girl? The girl that like went out with you. Where's Kim Wall? And he's he's like, like, oh, yeah. He's like, oh, I dropped her off on you know, the night of the 10th. Yeah. He's like, we went out for a couple hours and then I brought her back to shore and dropped her off. And then I went back out myself. Uh, That doesn't make sense. Right. (laughs) And, and they were like, okay, where'd you drop her off? And he's like, well, like I just dropped her off in port, whatever over there. So not like back where he'd gotten her, but she said it was fine. Her boyfriend would come get her. Like, so I just left her there. And he's like, so I don't know what happened to her, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I'm, I, but, but I'm so sad. My submarine, my submarine. has sunk. Like, my submarine sorry for gone. me. I'm the what submarine is, guy. Right. My, my, my baby is at the bottom of the I, ocean. You know, I made that myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, they have to go down and like see like what the heck is going on down with it. And, you know, they they pulled it up. They actually you know, brought it back to the surface. Because he was throwing and, such a bitch fit about right. it. <laughs> well, and they saw that, you know, basically they, they couldn't find a reason for why it would have sunk, right? So basically he told it to dive and left the hatch open and flooded it to sink it. Like there was no reason why it should it have sunk. Compromised. Right, like, you know, and so they were like, this is suspicious. But fun fact, in Denmark, <laughs> you have to believe somebody Unless you can prove that they're lying. It is perfectly legal to lie on the stand, in court, in any facet of your life, as long as it can't be proven otherwise. So if you can't prove that it wasn't like, you know, some some computer technical problem that told it to sink before he had got time to close the hatch or whatever, like you have to believe him when he says that's what happened. Just like he says he dropped the girl off. And because you can't prove he didn't, you have to be like, okay, you dropped the girl off. You're excused from any further investigation because what you're you dropped the girl off. Yeah, that's 
how the wow. legal system works in Denmark. <laughs> Interesting. Right. And they go into pretty deeply in this documentary kind of that piece of things, which is genuinely fascinating, which is why I'm like, please, please watch it. It's only a two episode documentary. What's it called? Uh, I'm glad you asked. And I will tell you as soon as I pull up that picture, because um, I can never remember. I always want to call it submerged. And that's not what it's called. It's called undercurrent. It's called undercurrent. Gotcha. So... Now, fast forward. So we're talking about the 10th is when she disappeared. Like the 13th is when he resurfaces and his thing is sunk. Now we go forward to the date. Um, Yeah. So on on the 21st, so 10 days later, on the 21st, a cyclist found Wall's torso washed up on a beach southwest of Amateur. Just the torso? Just the torso. Are we talking like... Which is the hardest part to identify. Yeah. So no head, no arms, no legs, just her torso with 15 stab wounds on it, most of them in the groin. What? Right. So now they're like, okay. Who was so mad at this bitch? Right. We've found her torso. Right. Like, this is crazy. So on October 6th, so now this is how far out we are. Um, Assisted by cadaver dogs provided by the Swedish police, police divers who found two plastic bags in the bay containing Wall's head, legs, clothes, and a knife. Oh, my gosh. Six days later, a saw was found on the water. So on the 21st of November, I'm sorry, on the 21st of October and the 29th of November, police divers found Wall's arms in the bay. So it took them like two months to find all of, all her, of pieces. her pieces because she had been like completely dismembered and scattered. Wow. wow. Okay. Yeah. Why? That is a great question. Um, so if you tell me we don't know, I'm throwing this microphone across the room. So they did arrest him. Okay. okay. So they arrested him because they were like, we got to get to the bottom of this. And now she, we know that you didn't drop her off and she clearly was murdered and you're going to be arrested. Why? Um, and was charged with negligent manslaughter. So basically at that point, they I were, don't know enough about Danish law to know how. Yeah. yeah. Negligent manslaughter basically is like, like you did something negligent to put this person in danger and she died. As yeah. opposed to, right. Like you stabbed you, her 15 you stabbed times her with a knife. You stabbed her 15 times. Yeah. Right. But they had charged him with that prior to finding the torso. Right. So, okay. so at this point they were like, you know what? We we don't think she was dropped off somewhere. We think, we think likely that she died. This... You, it was through you doing something negligent. But right. that was before, yeah, before they found a torso with a bunch of stab wounds in the groin. And then her head and the rest right. of her. So before they had found the torso, he had also said when the, when they arrested him and were like, we think something happened. He was like, okay, okay, okay. Here's what happened. I was really scared and worried. And so like, I didn't know what, what else to do. So this is what happened. We were up on the surface. I had taken the, the cap off and we were looking around and seeing some stuff. And then all of a sudden there was a computer malfunction in the submarine and it started to dive. And I was like, oh, no, we need to hurry and get back down. And so I scrambled down ahead of her and she didn't know how to turn the lid. And the lid fell and crushed her skull and knocked her dead down into the submarine. And so then I panicked and I threw her body overboard. And, and I don't know how it got cut up or stabbed. Well, so, so they, they had they, 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 oh, right, okay, they right, found okay. out there. Right. So this is what he had changed the story to, which got is it. how they tagged him with negligent manslaughter. Got it. You didn't take control of your she submarine. Died, and then I freaked out and dumped the body. And dumped the body. Right. And was just like, I don't know what's but going I, on. But it wasn't my fault that she died. Yes. I just dumped the body. Gotcha. Right. But 
Then they found the body. Then they found these body parts and start really looking into him. And when they were able to get a warrant to call, oh, I guess they don't need a warrant, but however they have to do it over there, they looked into his computer, right? And started seeing things and found all of these snuff videos. This isn't his first time? No, no. Not videos he made. Oh, okay. He's downloading and watching snuff films. Got it. So for anyone listening who doesn't know a snuff film, it's a film of somebody dying, somebody being murdered. And it's super illegal in any country. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't do that shit. But he had a bunch of them on his computer. So they were like, we think maybe he was fascinated by, by, death. by death and wanted to kill somebody. Like, just wanted to experience it, wanted to do it. And so they start talking to people close to him, not the people of the neighborhood who, who were, were like, like quirky guy, but people who actually dated him and, and they spent were like, time he's with him. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. And they were like, he's very strange on a lot of levels. And one woman who had dated him said, yeah, he had been kind of obsessed with death and talking about death and like always kind of bringing that up. And it made her pretty uncomfortable and was one of like the five reasons why they ended their relationship. But he kept maintaining the friendship with her and he kept inviting her to go out on the submarine. Alone. And, right. She was like, alone. No exactly. Thanks. And she'd be like, well, can I bring blah, blah, And he'd be like, no, no, only room for you. And she's like, that's not true. I've been on there. I know that there's room for more than that. Yeah, you can fit four people in the submarine. Like, it's, it's, I don't understand. And after this happened, she was like, I'm 100% oh, sure I me. was supposed to be. And two days before he took Kim Wall out, he asked her. He, he asked her kind of for the last time and was pretty like rude and forceful about it. Was like, why won't you come out with me? Like, I, I thought we were still friends. Like you said, when we broke up, we were still going to be friends. I don't understand. I just want to go out and have wow. a good time. Like, why won't you come? And it made her super uncomfortable. And she was like, I'm not doing this. And so she didn't. And two days later, he took him all out. Oh, my gosh. So it's so dumb of him to to choose her, though. Right. Why would you when agree all to those take people, everyone like, cool. knew? We'll see you back here at 10 o'clock. Like she was expected to show up somewhere. She knew who she went out with. Like what? Because he was confident that his lies would work. So I've told yeah. you about the, the first yeah. lie, right? Okay. He was like, they're not going to find my submarine. They're not going to find her body parts. They're not going to find any of that. So his first lie is submarine crushed her skull, blah, blah. I dumped the they, body. Right. Well, first story was no idea. I dropped her off. Right. I had no idea yeah. what happened. No, that's right. Second, right. Story. Second story number was, one. okay, like she... Crushed her head and she died and I panicked and got rid of the body. Lie number two. What's lie number three? Yeah. So then lie number three was after they found the body and she was stabbed. They found stabbings and, and things. And this is, again, still before. Oh, no. I guess they had found the head at that point, And so no skull fracture. None of that. So they're like, okay, none of that makes sense. Also, there was a lot of blood residue in the submarine. Like they could find blood in the submarine. Like just because you sink it doesn't mean that the iron and the stuff. You clean it. Right, exactly. Like doesn't just naturally. You filled it with water. You didn't scrub it. You didn't bleach it. Right, yeah, precisely. So they were like, and they tested it. And of course it was her blood. So they were like, okay. For a man who built his own submarine, he is really dumb. Really dumb. Exactly. So then he changes his story and he says, okay. Are we on line number four? Five? No, this would Four. be. This is his fourth version. Four, fourth of the version story. of the story. Okay. Fourth version of the story is that they had a fight, that they argued about something, disagreed about something, and that she became hysterical oh, and course. grabbed the knife that he had on board. It was like his, you know, fishing knife, and whatever. She attacked him. She attacked him. And so in self defense, he had to like. 
you know, stab her in stab the her vagina in the right. times yeah. and then cut her body up. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. And then after she he killed her, he was like, Oh no, uh I'm gonna just feed her to the shark. I'm just gonna cut her up and feed her to the sharks. Like he was just like, Oh, this Are is bad. Are there sharks and there? Whatever. I don't know. I oh. mean like <laughs> I think there's like, you know, the logic was like I'm like basically was trying are. to Maybe say like, like I'm great just gonna like but yeah. they're all there are like so many different kinds of shark. There could be sharks there. There could be sharks there. So they weren't hungry that night, though. They also she was in a bag, like you know what I mean. Right. So then eventually he did admit to dismembering her. Right. Now we're on number five. Uh, Right. Um, Continuing to deny that he intentionally killed her, saying that she, you know, may have died after poisonous exhaust gases entered the submarine while on deck. Stop. Right. So so then she died, and he panicked and cut her body up and fed it to like it was like every time. Someone would talk to him. It was a different story for how he didn't kill her, but because she died, he had to cut her up. And so um, on January 16th, 2018, Madsen was charged with murder, um, indecent handling of a corpse and sexual assault. The prosecution accused him of having tortured Wall before killing her by cutting her throat or strangling her. Um, his trial began on the 8th of March in Copenhagen. On April 25th, he was convicted of all three charges and sentenced to life imprisonment. He appealed his sentence, and on the 26th of September, um, the High Court of Eastern Denmark uphold, upheld the sentence. So that's kind of tremendous because something this documentary talks about that surprised the heck out of me as well is that even if you get sentenced to life in prison in Denmark, it doesn't actually mean life. Hmm. He'll If he doesn't make their version of parole which is supposed to happen automatically after 18 years of a life sentence after 18 years of life sentence they consider you rehabilitated or you've done your time and they let you out if he doesn't get let out in 18 years it will be the first time in danish history that someone has been sentenced to life and not been released after 18 years wow who didn't die in prison because and here's why because supposedly um in denmark they don't have a lot of crime like this. Like this was so yeah. shocking to the people of Denmark. You don't see a lot of violent crime. Yeah. Right. But it makes me wonder if you can lie about stuff. <laughs> right. How many, How many accidents are not were violent crime? Right. Yes. That's where I'm like, Denmark might have more violent crime than you think, but nobody knows about it because everybody's lying over there. Right. And they're all just like, okay, we believe you. Like, we can't prove otherwise, so you must so, be telling the truth. That like that makes me think about there was a documentary I was watching. I think it was part of Freakonomics where they were talking about the specific kind of crime in Japan, and they were saying that Japan has these really high um, numbers for convictions in Japan around murder. Like there's not a lot of murder, but the convictions are really really high. And they were saying that that number is skewed because they only investigate and convict when they know that they're going to solve it. Yeah. Like if it's one that's like really complicated or a cold case, like they won't even bother to make it a case because they know they can't solve it. And that's how they keep their conviction numbers so high. It's uh, because they don't investigate and prosecute a lot. And I was I like, that. oh my God, that's horrible. I yeah. hate that. And it's weird also because like, it's, I wonder how biased we are because prison in a lot of ways is very normalized in the United States. Mm-hmm. The United States has such a high rate of incarceration. We've got the highest rate in the world, especially for we love throwing the size people of our in country. There. We love throwing people in prison. We love throwing but people in prison. It makes me wonder if that gives us a skewed view of like those people need to be in prison. They need to have those systems in place for people to be in prison forever like they are here. 
But those systems are all, our system is also broken oh, and fucked yeah, up. Sure. Then, like, yeah, yeah, no, but playing in, like, away. But in a completely different way. <laughs> like, like, we do it too much. But there is, it is weird to be on the outside of another country and be like, they need to do they more. They don't do it enough. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I get you. But the private prison system in the Amer- in the United States is oh, fucked. Yeah, no, there's but that is wild to think about. And like a life sentence in the United States technically isn't life either. It's sixty years. But most people that get convicted for sixty are years older than are yeah. not really going to see the end of that. Right. Especially if you get two life sentences. That's oh yeah, you're done. Years. You're never yeah. going to see the end of that. So people really don't see the end of it. And it's strange to think that like. Um, it's they have life sentences, but most people who get a life sentence are out after 18 years. Yeah. It's a life sentence from like, you know, if you're a baby until you're legal to vote, right, that's yeah. your life sentence that you serve. And then on top of that being because it's never really been necessary for them to have more because they didn't have that Enough kind of crime. crime. That's so wild. It's so wild. Yeah. So there's, there's a little bit of a kicker. Um, he, He's back on Tinder. <laughs> They're giving him a dating show. Stop. <laughs> it's a Tinder swindler all over. It's going to be called the murderer. Love is Submerged. <laughs> Find love underwater. So in his first year in prison, 2018, right, he was attacked by an eight-year-old and an uh, eight-year-old, 18-year-old. Oh, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. Like, sorry. Danish prison sorry. is wild. <laughs> they had him in with an eight-year-old? 18-year-old inmate. And he was hospitalized because he was like stabbed and like you know like some some stuff went down he had to go to the hospital so we're we're pretty sure that that kind of fueled this whole like i'm not safe here sort of mentality because in 2020 he did participate in a documentary there have been a few one of them was the one that's on hbo max i think there's another one that is actually made by the danish um people somebody a danish filmmaker and he did finally in 2020 admit to killing her and on that, he gave a recording, and it is on this other documentary that's on HBO as well. He, It's a recording of his voice from prison, I guess, like a phone conversation. And he's like, I just, I wanted to do it. I wanted to know what this was like. I, you know, he's like, I am a sociopath. I'm a narcissist. I'm all these things. And I've just always had it in me, and I've always wanted to do this. And this was that just, was this was when I decided to do it. And it was really kind of like, you know, after all this time of lying and changing the story and trying to like, I mean, and all I can imagine is like, what would have happened if they hadn't been able to disprove all these ridiculous, like what if his lies had been more solid? Like what if, you know, it's like how horrible, wow. like that's, I mean, and I'm really glad they weren't. He escaped from prison Stop. <laughs> on the 20th of October, 2020 um, by threatening a prison employee um, said to have been a psychologist using a pistol-like object before fleeing, equipped with an object he claimed to be a bomb belt. So he basically... And they're like, I don't know. He built a submarine. Right. And didn't he, he built rockets? Make. Yep. Yeah. So uh, they let him go because they were like, we don't want you blowing up in the prison. So he basically walks out. I don't know how full of shit you are because you've made crazy things. He runs down the street and then realizes kind of where he is and that he has nowhere to go and whatever. And so please tell me he doesn't turn around and go back. No, I mean, he I surrendered. So he basically <laughs> sat down in the grass and like threw his hands up and the he bomb was like, squad was, was deployed. Go. And go. right. Exactly. So he was a hundred. Uh, he was 500 meters, 547 yards from the prison. <laughs> That's how far he got. 547 yards from the prison when he just sat down like, and was like, OK, how big is a football field? <laughs> uh, 
like 300 yards yeah i don't know i think i'm so. like he got like a football field away yeah, not yep. far and was like where where the fuck am i gonna go <laughs> yeah exactly i, I can't do this it. i can't do this and i'm just gonna sit down shit out here i thought yeah. i could like kill someone and take their car there's nothing but yep. woods yep 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 but so danish woods so the the uplifting piece of the story is actually what her family did so she was an up and coming, very bright journalist, and her family decided to start um, a foundation. Uh, it's the Kim Wall Memorial Fund. Um, it's aiming to fund female reporters to cover stories of subcultural value. So, um, you know, if you, I forget how you apply for it, but basically, you know, if you are a woman in journalism and, you know, looking for a grant, look into the Aww. Kim Wall Memorial Fund because it's definitely you know, there to, to help encourage women and her family on this documentary, all they kept saying was like, she's been to places where I was always worried for her. Like every night if she didn't check of in, I was very scared was and this was home. This was a place she had lived most of her life. Cause while they were from Sweden, she spent a lot of time in, in Copenhagen. Cause yeah. that was like a city. Um, and it's just this that, one this man is... who decided that and it he wasn't... had the right to take right. someone's life. It wasn't life. through any like dangerous war torn area. It wasn't through any of that. It was, a wacky guy that people were like, you should go talk to him. It's just going to be He's this quirky, this fluff piece, this piece that she didn't really even want to do because it was fluff in her and eyes. That like it like was her like, style, right? right. Yeah. It's terrifying. It makes me feel as a woman that like, you just can't go anywhere alone. You'd always, you have to buddy yeah. system your worst? entire life. Isn't that feeling? Buddy. Yeah. You have to have a buddy system. It is a shame that it has to be that way. But yeah, I highly recommend the documentary. I mean, it's it's obviously not a happy story, but it's very fascinating on a lot wow. of levels. And it and it makes a lot of good points like that. And um, it was totally accidental. I just happened to be like, I want to watch a documentary. And then I saw like the, the image and I thought, and I read the description and I'm like, yeah, and it basically so it's called the submarine case. Um, it has a a Danish name that I can't pronounce, so I won't even try. But it basically translates to the submarine so are case. Two documentaries on HBO Max, or you said it's one? two episodes. It's two one episodes. one documentary okay. um, called Undercurrent, Undercurrent. Two episodes. The first one is about the crime itself. The second one is about his trial, which and everything that happened after, and that is oh, also wild. very mind boggling. Wow. But yeah. through the whole thing, all the people that they interviewed were so nice. Danish people are very nice. Until they kill you in a submarine. Right. Until that's that. why they don't get bigger life sentences. Right. <laughs> they're like, you're like, so nice. So nice. We're going to let you out of prison in 18 years, even to though you're not this. to be in prison because so. Hamlet was Danish. Danish. So that's it. Wow. Well, <laughs> a wild ride it's been today. A lot. Yeah. Thank you, Mary Angela. Thank you welcome. for joining us on our first episode of This Side of 200. Yay. Thanks yes. for having me. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And, you know, thanks for having us in your home all the time. Oh, yes. <laughs> I want to thank everybody for listening. Of course, you should check out our website where you can get merch and you can see other stuff that's coming up on deadtime stories with a Z.com. You can follow us on Instagram, email us at deadtime stories at gmail.com. And the best way that you can support us that costs no money whatsoever is by giving us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or any of the or places, Spotify. Spotify, any of the other places where you listen to podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah. Check out Frankie Bradley's Sunday. This Sunday, Sunday, the Sunday. Sunday. Show. It's going to be a good time. And <laughs> that's about it. it. Yay. So, yeah. That's it. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mary Angela. And this, this has, has been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. 
Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. 